0: From Hollywood, California, the whore capital of the world. The
1: Boulet brothers, creatures of the night. Welcome, darlings, to another horrifying episode of the Boulet Brothers, Creatures of the Night.
0: Jack, my darling, how are we today? I am doing considerably better than the last episode. I was a little stressed out, but I think I am finding my balance. How about you? I'm feeling really good today, too. Just keep that energy rolling. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like when you first start a project and we start working on pre-production with something, it's incredibly stressful. But then once you beat yourself to a pulp for maybe like 3 weeks in a row, you start to become numb to it, you know? You just accept it and uh what you thought was going to happen you know, it doesn't always turn out to what's going to happen, and you just kind of accept it. Right, you you start to settle because <laughs> you got no more fight left in you. You, just, you don't really. You just you just say okay, you just that's fine. It. Yeah. Yep, that's good. I like that. Let's go with that.
1: Totally relatable. And this is great.
0: I love it. Are we almost done? <laughs> <laughs> One thing I want to bring up is last episode. Uh, we talked about how no one had asked us about the project that we were working on after we talked about it on the previous podcast. We thought people would write in and be like, oh my God, what is it? But Mm -hmm. people did write in after we mentioned it and said, well, you guys said you couldn't talk about it. So that's why they didn't ask us anything about it. Ah, okay, well. That's that's what that was about. I did get a really interesting listener question, which was, uh, Ian, what inspires your drag? Which I thought... (laughs) Which I thought was great since Ian doesn't do drag. A true um, mystery. Yeah, I'm, I'd be curious to know that myself. I mean, maybe he. Maybe there's something we don't know. It's voice drag. It's like a new thing. <laughs> I think I'd like to start off this episode by bringing Ian in so that he can answer that question himself. And I actually have a surprise for both of you.
1: Oh, oh Okay. Mm. Well, then I think it's time to welcome to the podcast our sister in crime, Miss Ian DeVogler. Really, sir? Hey,
0: ladies. How's it going today? Good. How are you? Fabulous. Thank you for asking. How are you guys? We're doing good. Angela wants to know what inspires your drag, Ian. Uh, (laughs) Um... Wow, uh, I
2: wasn't expecting this question today. Um, I would say that my drag is inspired by uh i don't know like creatures of undeniable horror from beyond the realm of human comprehension, and just you guys, honestly, well, that's like kind of the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well I said creatures of undeniable horror from beyond the realm of human comprehension so.
0: You know, we have never put Ian in drag, and but he has that kind of face that I feel like we could just do a little highlighter, a little lip gloss, like... It wouldn't be hard. I don't know. You have two dragons to fight when it comes to that face. <laughs> and those <it says> eyebrows. <laughs> you I lean into it, like, you know, Brooke Shield style. Ooh, yes. Either Frida Callow, Frida Callow, maybe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> a read today. Wow. Um, I feel like, I mean, honestly, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast before, but sometimes when we're in meetings and we're all feeling low, uh, the boules will put a little bit of highlighter on me. Um, so, you know, I mean, hey, maybe we'll shave my eyebrows one day and we'll just get. This shush, honey. Why yeah. do I not
0: get credit for the joy that I bring to the team? I was gonna say <laughs> you could say look, Ian is
1: very diplomatic and we've trained him well, but we can give Drac, you know, the accolades she deserves. It is Drac that applies Ian's highlighter when mm-hmm. he gets highlighter
2: you are very very right drac i apologize uh, for the listeners at home drac loves to put some highlighter on me and it is always that metal crush oh she looked good honey it's she good right it's good.
0: my favorite
2: <laughs> i love it it makes me feel extra bitchy when i have to like you know yell at someone
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> you
2: find that light
0: and then read them Ooh, oh yeah it's clear your throat honey <laughs> highlighter will cheer someone up so <laughs> listeners at home if uh you know, if you're young and you got a mean mom and she's like giving you a hard time, just walk over <laughs> to her, and put a little highlighter on her cheek. Wow. Yeah. Then let us know how that works
2: out. <laughs> I love that this is the real answer to any time people write in, and they say, how do you deal with your family that maybe doesn't appreciate you? The real answer is go up to her and just put some highlighter
0: on her. A little highlighter on her. It'll work out just fine. Amazing. Don't, <laughs> don't put it on yourself. Put it on your mom. <laughs> When she's in a really bad mood, that's the time. <laughs> oh, no. Anyways, I wanted to start off this episode with a little surprise for you both. We are in about to embark on a new season. Uh, fall is upon us. It's coming soon. And we've been in such weird circumstances with the pandemic that life has been very unpredictable. And I know that both of you in the past have claimed... Minor Psychic Abilities
1: Oh, Ian has claimed Minor Psychic Abilities I have claimed Major Psychic
0: Abilities Well I'd like to Start off this episode With a little game And ask you guys Some questions See (coughs) What your answers are And then When we start the next season, we will come back and listen and see which one of you actually has psychic powers. Oh, so this is like a
1: game uh, slash—it's really a test.
0: It's a test, really. (laughs) I mean, I said game, but it's a game, kind of like piercing yourself on episode (laughs) season two, episode one. Got it. Okay, Okay, I'm uh, ready. Me too. Game. What do you guys think? Are you down? absolutely i'm down Listen, as, as long as the question is
2: not who stole a producer's phone at a halloween party <laughs> one year oh. in which i do not know the
0: answer to <laughs> you don't <laughs> wow I, I have a hunch but we'll see okay so welcome to drac morta's psychic powers test our competitors today are swan fula Boule and ian de vogler welcome competitors thank you drac morta thank you for having us today today we're going to ask you a series of questions take your answers and then come back and check them in about six months to see which one of you were right whoever got the most questions correct um will be verified as a psychic person and um there you go you'll get an award it's always been my dream to be verified as a psychic person so i'm (laughs) so in (laughs) All right. I hope I, our podcast doesn't get canceled for this. But anyway, <laughs> I don't mean like social justice canceled. I mean like literally canceled oh. for being terrible. Um. <laughs> Wait, is that the first question? <laughs> <laughs> the first one, qu- no. <laughs> okay. Are you guys ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. So, my first question for you both will clubs reopen before New Year's Eve of this year? Absolutely not. I'm going to say
1: no as well.
0: You have anything to add or just a hell no?
1: I think we're we're talking uh, regionally and also specifically like cities. I'm sure there are places, there may even be places in the country now where you could technically go to a club, but by and large, in general, I think the answer is no.
2: Yeah, I would say that, in large, no, but I think that we are going to see some people try it. I think that you'll see places trying to advertise something that will either, A, get shut down uh, very quickly, or B, it'll make national news for getting everyone sick.
0: Mm, so there is no possible future in which you think we will be on stage at the Globe Theatre ringing in the new year?
1: I don't think so. Wait, no. hold on. Wait, I'm getting something?
0: No, no, it's still a no. Mm, damn. All right. I will log those answers and move on to the next question. And feel free to talk a little bit about your answer, since we actually can't find out the answer now. I'll make it a little more interesting. So when do you predict will be the first time we can appear at a horror convention again?
1: I'm just getting a rush of a number in my mind. That number is 313. I'm going to say March 13th. I don't even know what day of the week that is. Mm.
0: What do you twi- think, Ian? March. That's
1: my twin nephew's birthday, by the way. Oh, that's cute. See. Yeah, those little monsters celebrate their birthday on the 13th and some years it falls on a Friday, but not this year. It's a Saturday night. I mean, that could
2: actually happen. Hey, I'm into that. I would say I'm going to I'm going to go on a limb here and I'm going to say February 6th. Any particular reason? I- um. Not really I just was looking at my calendar And then Swan said Saturday And I thought You know what I'm going to play a little bit of uh, What is it The Price is Right And just try to go A little bit earlier I'm going to do February 6th I feel like we could be Somewhere really icy And cold Yeah A little daytime horror In February I'm in now hold on! I would have never pegged you to be one of those kind of bitches. When it comes to the showcase
1: showdown, you're gonna wait till I say my answer first, and then underbid <laughs> me by some short little amount.
2: That is some. That is a bitch move. Oh, I need get ready. When we're on that show, I'm doing one cent lower. <laughs> oh, not one cent. <laughs> the petty answer.
0: <laughs> well, I would like to go on record with an answer myself. I am guessing May. Mm, okay. Ooh! Wow. Okay. okay. Longer. Yeah, and, and I actually think even in May, it won't be to the level that we're used to them being at.
2: Are you anticipating, like, masks on, socially distanced? I mean, that's that's y'all's meet and greet anyway. Or are <laughs> you thinking, like, how how do you imagine it be different?
0: Some watered-down version of what we all used to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I'm going to guess. I can't, you know, I don't know for sure, but I think so. Okay, my next question will pride happen in the year 2021 Uh, i mean like the like the jaded homo
2: in me is like no don't do it uh i don't want to go anyway but in the uh, in the uh in the spirit of i absolutely want you guys to be able to fulfill your pride duties um yes i do think we'll have pride in 2021
1: swan i'm going to agree Uh, i'm not sure if they are wait hold on something's oh no the, it's a little cloudy my, my i'm gonna say yes it's gonna happen but it may not be to the full manifestation that it usually does
0: uh that was my answer for the last question
1: <laughs> look i'm not gonna take credit for your wrong death of may um,
0: oh i can't wait to push play on this in a couple of months and just show you what's happening Well, then let me repeat myself. I'm not going to take credit for your wrong answer of May.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say it will happen in 2021. Pride will happen, just not to the degree that it normally would.
0: All right. All right. Well, your answers have been logged. Let's move on to the next question. Will New Mutants ever come out? And if so, when? No. (laughs) No.
2: (laughs) No. No. i know last last episode i said that they had pushed it back to august 28th but i think that i may have hallucinated that anyway so no that's a that's a
0: covid fever dream absolutely not all right i see i think you're both right honestly um okay next question will the scream remake be good I'm going to
2: say yes. I'm i super hyped for it. And I actually, it's one of my current events that I want to talk about today. So yeah, I think it's gonna be good. I love the original. I think the second one's good. After that, I can't really say, but I think that the new one is going to be great. I think
1: the new Scream iteration is going to remind us why Scream was so amazing the first time around and the second and the third. So I think it's going to be a great revisit to an awesome franchise.
0: All right. That's
2: a diplomatic answer. I like that.
0: Uh Okay. So as you both know, we're about to embark on a rather insane journey. It's going to last for many weeks. And I want to ask you some questions about that journey. So this is using your psychic abilities. What do you predict the random occurrence slash unforeseen circumstance level will be on this trip? One being the least, 10 being the most. You're about to give Ian an aneurysm because I
2: do know how much,
1: <laughs> know <Okay>. how
2: much <laughs> he <laughs> does for planning. Girl, first of all, thank you for saying that because not only am I having an aneurysm over here trying to like plan for that, but also trying to like decide what that question actually means. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me translate Morty into you.
1: <laughs> Basically, we're about to embark on a big adventure and I yes. think our listeners will learn what that means in time, but No matter how much planning you do, oftentimes there's random occurrences. So on this trip, do you anticipate a level of one being very few random occurrences like
2: curveballs, surprise events, or level 10 being kind of like constant? Okay, I've I've been thinking a lot about this, and I've been using, you know, when we go on tour as a template, and I feel like that was probably the wrong move, because when we're on tour, the random occurrence chance is, it's like 10 out of 10, like just smashing that button all the time. Um, I feel like we are going to, there's going to be tons of random occurrences, tons of curveballs, but I don't think that they're all going to be bad. I think that we're going to get random curveballs and occurrences every other day, uh, but they're going to be fun. Hmm. i'm what gonna kind of so i'm gonna kind
1: of agree loosely because the, the reason why and i know this to be true is because drac and i are going to be responsible
2: for those random occurrences because <laughs> we're throwing the curveballs <laughs> get ready ian <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i knew that i was i was having trouble sleeping for a reason and this is why
0: i mean like you know random occurrence meaning meaning like unwelcome surprising like oh my god i can't believe that happened kind of thing level one is zero level 10 is a lot i uh, pick a number
2: i'm gonna go with the okay sorry just to explain my reasoning before i give it to you uh if we're talking about like oh my god the bus broke down and the driver had his head almost smashed underneath it i'm gonna go you with go. okay got it i'm gonna go with like uh a 3 out of 10. Okay,
1: Swan. My instincts are kind of on the other side of the spectrum. I'm going to
0: go with a 7.
2: <gasps>
0: oh, no, honey, please. <laughs> okay, so uh, one more question on that. Um, <coughs> do you predict any of our crew will get arrested on this trip? <laughs> Um well I specifically wrote something in the uh
2: like the uh the adventure preparedness guide let's call it mm-hmm. um about <clears throat> fraternizing with outside people, um so if we all adhere to that, I think no, no one's gonna get arrested, <laughs> but mm, loaded loaded answer <laughs> I'm gonna
1: agree though we have we have some responsible girls on our crew, and, and it's small it's still you know it's still during the pandemic, so you know we can joke, but we're gonna keep our wagon circled tightly. No one's getting arrested, and we're gonna steer clear of most other people, so I think we're in the clear
0: so you both essentially said no, right, duly yes. noted. So I think the last question would be one being this won't happen at all. 10 being it most likely will happen. Do you think I will hijack the tour at any point and take us somewhere that we didn't plan on going? Um, That's
1: a a 10 for me.
2: (laughs) Yeah. When I, uh, in the last question, I said, I'd just be smashing that button, just 10 the whole
0: time. uh, yeah. You might as well just take the button away. Like I know it's going to (laughs) happen Well, I will try to be on my best behavior. Thank you both for playing. Obviously, I cannot determine a winner because we don't know these things yet. Um, But we will be testing your psychic powers over the next few months, and we will come back on the podcast and declare one of you the most psychic person on the team. Well, don't forget the certification. You
1: will be certified as well. (laughs) Well, thank you, Jack. That was a very fun game, and I enjoyed playing.
0: All right, I think we should go on to the latest news in the world of horror and drag. Ian, what do you have for us this episode? Let's see. First up, I have some
2: updates for you from some of our favorite horror icons. Miss Michael Myers has made the news a few times recently, with articles coming out giving new details about Halloween Kills, the sequel to 2018's Halloween, as well as Halloween Ends, the final film in the new trilogy that, according to director David Gordon Green, will bring an end to the Laurie Strode versus Michael Myers storyline. Halloween Kills will also feature Laurie Strode, but according to sources close to production, Laurie will not be the main character, and instead, Halloween Kills will center around Allison, the youngest of the three generations that we met in Halloween.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I, I heard those things too, and I, I hope someone out there in the Twitter world will tag Ryan Turek, who we like, he's a friend of ours, and he's the producer of Halloween, and um, tell him to stop leaking stuff, because I don't want to know the whole story before it happens. <laughs> I'm super excited about both of these movies, but one of them is not even coming out for two and a half years. So (laughs) I don't want to hear anything else. It's way too much. Now. I mean, at this rate, we're going to know the whole movie before it comes out.
2: Oh yeah. I'm going to get the script uh, that we can read while we're on our adventure. Get ready.
0: Uh (laughs) I think it's going to be out there. They'll probably just share it. (laughs)
2: Well, (laughs) one last thing for you uh, from the world of Halloween. uh, Trick or Treat Studios, which is a company that sells licensed Halloween costumes and accessories, is releasing a brand new costume this year. Uh, It is the official Michael Myers ghost costume from the original 1978 film. For
0: those That's of you, who,
2: for those of you that don't remember, it is literally Michael Myers wearing a sheet over his head with a pair of glasses over it. I, I think it's inc- a sheet
0: and glasses.
2: Yes, I think it's yeah. incredible. Wow. Genius, marketing genius, wow. totally. And maybe, I'll, maybe we'll post a link to it uh, for when the episode comes out. But the description for it—I mean, it talks about it like it's this like. Uh, officially licensed this that the third like relive the magic i'm like this is hilarious you know exactly what you're doing
0: great 25 later <laughs> you know that was such a weird scene too i'm always like i guess michael myers does have a sense of humor
2: <laughs> <laughs> i mean to be honest the glasses over the sheet feels like something that like a decision that we would make like four in the morning 20 hours of shooting later being like well, let's we'll just do that, sure. Totally. <laughs> totally. Skeleton judge, Rihanna. <laughs> I love. <that. laughs> let's see. Um, Courtney Cox has been confirmed to play Gail Weathers in the new Scream movie. Amazing. Yeah, I was really excited when I read that. I know we have kind of had this through line uh, the past couple episodes about Scream updates. So, yeah, filming is scheduled to start sometime later this year in Wilmington, North Carolina. And personally, with Courtney Cox and David Arquette officially signed on, I feel like whether it's a reboot or a sequel or whatever, it's going to be a Scream. Very cool. Um Remove your shoes, remove your vigs, and lock and bolt the doors. Robert Zemeckis' reboot of The Witches has officially been given a PG rating for scary images and moments. Personally, I love this. I love Anne Hathaway. I love that they're keeping it accessible for kids. I feel like there's such a push to keep everything like grim and dark. But younger audiences need horror, too. And I don't know. I'm excited about it.
0: Are you excited about Anne Hathaway? I love Anne Hathaway. Really? Oh, my God. Yes, honey. What do you think, Swan? I like Anne Hathaway too. I mean,
1: I kind of feel like this is sort of one of those things that you don't mess with. You know, it's kind of like when they talk about (laughs) this is such a grab uh, into my history about like remaking Willow. Like, I feel like it's so perfect and cute and lives in my childhood memory. Don't touch it, just leave it alone. Like, that shit is like sacred. So, when they start messing with the witches, it's a little scary, but you know, part of me is excited to see it reimagined. I like Anne Hathaway. So, i don't know that she'll fill in angelica houston's shoes but i think it'll be an exciting ride to see the story uh retold what do you think drac
0: i don't know i mean i can't see anne hathaway in this role personally i mean angelica houston really just knocked it out of the park so i don't know i mean it would be hard to not compare anne's performance to angelica's but i mean i guess you know we'll see For
2: sure. Um, I also want to fully continue referring to Anne Hathaway just as Anne forever and always.
1: (laughs) (laughs) On the same basis with her. We won't call her the new Emily. We'll just call her Anne. Oh, my God. Did you recently (laughs) watch Devil Wears Prada? No, I haven't. I just really love that movie.
0: Oh, my God. You know what? Speaking of witch movies that could be redone, I personally think and would love to take on the project of redoing The Worst Witch. Oh, my. Are you talking about the (laughs) musical? (laughs) Yes, I am. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. I'm going to turn the worst witch into a masterpiece. (laughs) That is a deep cut
1: reference, but I'm with you on
0: that. You know, the only thing I don't know is, uh, how to recast, the part that Mrs. Garrett played. That's going to be tough. Charlotte Ray. Oh, yeah. wow. <laughs> yeah. Ian has no idea what we're talking about. And that's fine. Um, thank you for saying that. Cause I'm sitting here like, what in the fuck? I'm talking. You'll be about? Natalie. Don't worry about it.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. wait, I feel like that's a read, but I kind of love it anyway. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Holy
2: shit. So All right. There's, also a film reboot of Hellraiser in the works, and reports are coming in that the creative team is working on new Cenobite designs to add to the film. Um, unfortunately, there are some issues. There's a lawsuit that's being launched by Clive Barker that might prevent this from happening, but we'll see. I feel like new Cenobite designs are totally in our world. I mean, you can just rewatch season 2, episode 1 of the Belay Brothers' Dragula for inspiration. I want new Cenobites.
0: Uh, there's a lawsuit from Belay Brothers Productions about that movie <laughs> that they didn't cast us as Cenobites. uh uh, well we we need to talk to clive i'm sorry well he's not involved in it that's the i think that's the whole problem we need to get on
2: clive's team and then talk to them i agree well that was a lot in terms of horror movie updates but since last episode i may have caused some listeners to doubt my position as the cryptozoology expert of creatures of the night i wanted to give you some updates from the darkness of the ocean depths and the horrors of biology oh please do Uh, officials along the East Coast are urging beachgoers and swimmers to use extreme caution as there has been a huge uptick in the number of shark sightings and shark attacks. Um, scientists are unsure as to what's causing the rise in attacks and sightings, but they do want to remind people that generally sharks are docile and don't attack unprovoked, but honestly, that's what makes this story even more unsettling. Shark attacks, we have no idea why, stay out of the water. You know, it's just a couple of kids getting bit, so, you know, whatever. (laughs) That's a few children. That's fine. Anyway, uh, so I have recently told you guys about murder hornets, giant Asian moths, and ultra-black dragonfish, and now I humbly bring you zombie cicadas. Oh, let's hear it. <laughs> yes, there has been a resurgence of cicadas infected with a parasitic fungus called massospora, which has properties similar to hallucinogenic mushrooms, except with the added bonus of leprosy and zombie-like infections. The fungus causes the cicada's bodies to deteriorate, but it keeps their brains alive, making them basically flying corpses. Most importantly, the parasite rewires male cicada brains to, quote, "...flick their wings in a manner similar to female cicada's mating rituals, enticing other males to come close and then infecting them with the flesh-eating parasite." Gender bending fungal parasites turning cicadas into flying corpses, help bent on infecting everything else around them. I am ready to reclaim my title as the cryptozoology expert. Thank you very much. Let it be known. Good job. Absolutely. <laughs> this, have
1: you ever seen The Girl with All the Gifts? I have not. Okay, we need to review that maybe in, a, in an upcoming episode because it's a zombie movie with like a super big twist, but it's uh, the infection is passed kind of uh, through a spore. So, this is like very reminiscent of that. So, maybe we'll have to visit that film because I actually really like that movie.
0: I need to look into this because this sounds like something that could grow to become a much bigger problem. And you can put that down on my psychic abilities test chart. <laughs> I don't think you've heard the last of these zombie beetles so just to put that out there i think uh we'll have
2: drax uh psychic abilities as the the cicadas and then we'll also put will ian will ian or will ian not be in drag in six months on an episode of the podcast (laughs) perfect (laughs) that's all i have for you guys today i hope that i have done you proud thank you as
1: always for having me oh you are so welcome well done as always And for everyone else, we are going to take a break. And when we return, we'll be flashing back to 1980 when writer director Brian De Palma released his classic murder mystery thriller, Dressed to Kill, in this episode's Creature Feature Movie Review. We'll be right back. Arda Wigs has been serving looks in the drag and costume community since 2009. Their reputation in the wig world is well known for providing luscious, thick, snatchingly good styles that turn heads and ensure you are serving the most devilish of looks. With over 100 colors and 80 styles to choose from, they're sure to have something to make you scream. Use the code ARDABOULE10 for 10% off at arda-wigs.com. And treat yourself to something truly hair-raising. Welcome back, uglies. It's time for the Creatures of the Night Creature Feature Movie Review. This week, we've decided to explore Brian De Palma's murder mystery thriller, Dressed to Kill, starring Michael Caine, Angie Dickinson, and Nancy Allen. It's streaming now on Netflix and Amazon Prime. Let's welcome my co-hosts in terror and delight, Ian and Drac. Hey, how are you? Very
0: good. Jack. are you there, darling? I am here. And, um... For people that are wondering, why would we review such an an old movie? Um, I'll tell you, there's a little backstory to this one. So we recently uh, were over at Darren Stein's house watching horror movies. And um, we watched Crimes of Passion. And after that, Darren was like, have you seen Dressed to Kill? And we were like, no, we haven't. He's like, you have to see it. You have to see it. And he started to show us the trailer. And I mean, within, I don't know, it was like 30, 40 seconds. We we're like, turn it off, turn it off. We don't want to know because I, I, we immediately were like, we have to watch this movie. And there was a scene in the preview of, it looked like a woman with like big black glasses and gloves and a big trench coat with a knife. And she like slashed someone's throat. And I was like, turn it off. I want to see this. This is like really interesting. So, um, and he was like, okay, well, when you guys come over next, we'll watch it. But we really couldn't wait. We went home and immediately watched it that night. Sorry, Darren.
1: (laughs) (laughs) He's finding out this way. How terrible. But I
0: thought it was so interesting. And I really wanted to get Ian's take on it, so we decided to choose that for our creature feature movie review. So here we are. Yeah, the movie is actually forty years old, and it's kind of shocking to put a number on it like that because
1: some of the the themes that Dressed to Kill really touches on, I think, are very poignant and very relevant socially today. And we're going to talk freely about the film. There's going to be lots of spoilers. The movie is super old. If you haven't seen it yet, you should have seen it. And if you don't want to know about it, um, maybe just forward the podcast from this point forward because we're going to talk about you know the killer and the storyline and sort of what happens but one of the big plot twists here um we talk about the antagonist being trans and i think the way that it is it's portrayed in Dress to kill is so shockingly different than the way that we talk about trans issues today and i was kind of curious how ian took that too because i think it was like a first time watch for you
2: right ian yeah it was just to dive into the issues of representation with this film it was honestly kind of hard to watch. Like like you said, this is the first time for me. It's a, I, I knew that it was controversial. I didn't really know why. And I knew that the film was also 40 years old. So, you know, things change. We we grow. We evolve. And there were just, I mean, some of the writing in it, the way that they discuss, the do, his name is Dr. Elliot, uh, or Bobby is the, the other persona that he is or that she is in the film. I was like shocked. I was like, oh my gosh, like it's it was just so offensive. And it was so raw and the way that they talked about her was just so wrong. So all of that to say like, you know, and then I did a bunch of research on it and looked at how like subversive it was and it's definitely a movie I think that tried to push buttons and now with everything that we know and representation, it just it's kind of such a far cry from anything you would ever see being created.
0: And you know what's interesting is one of the characters in the movie tries to explain it and you can tell that the writers were trying to have her explain it in a very PC accepting way. And it was so backwards and crazy. Yeah, It it reminded
2: me of psycho, even though it was 20 years after psycho was made. I'm sure at the time it was looked at as like, Oh wow, that's, that's really good information. But now we're like, Oh my God, like you would never talk about someone that way. Um, especially, you know, like from a, it's just it, it comes off as very transphobic which i don't think was the intention at the time but unfortunately i feel like movies like this do kind of directly contribute to you know violence against trans people or narratives that you know media presents as like ooh, like all trans people are they're they're villainous or they're meant to uh they're trying to hurt other people it's like well
0: that's something we're going to talk about extensively in another format soon is the idea of Trans people presented as monsters, killers, slashers. So I don't want to get too into that, but I am curious just for both of you, outside of the trans challenges the movie faces, what did you think of the movie overall? Well,
1: I think, you know, Brian De Palma's career is so huge. I mean, and he's made so many movies and the horror space classics like Carrie which is probably a favorite for so many people um, including myself like and look at the homages we do in Dragula with the blood crowning and all of that I also remember like blowout kind of watching that and as a kid in the 80s a to kill of course and then there's a bunch of like mafia movies but his take on this it's so quintessentially 80s and kind of like stylish Angie Dickinson's character specifically like in the beginning that whole long drawn out scene where you think she's going to be Most definitely a major character, but then she ends up getting killed. She's like the the slashing victim in the elevator. Some of the camera work is so kind of like very much influenced, I think, by Alfred Hitchcock in the way that it moves and kind of does these first person perspectives. To me, watching the movie may be socially insensitive because some of the content is so outdated. Some of the social views are so antiquated, but I think it's like really stylish. I kind of love it.
2: Yeah, I, I'm going to have to kind of back you up on a lot of this from a social justice and just social issue standpoint. Like I said, it's really hard to watch, but as someone who just kind of loves the 80s and loves horror... The movie is fucking super fabulous like like you said like that opening scene with angie dickinson in the shower where i i did some reading and i found that they used like a penthouse model as her body double for when you know they show full bush they show nipple i was like oh my god this is such a horny movie i was like god i love the 80s like it's super horny it's really dreamy looking and that scene in the museum i was like wow it they like brian de palma really creates that sense of like almost like this like labyrinth of like you know she's kind of chasing the guy and then he's chasing her and then suddenly there's like this glove and i was like oh my god this is like super fabulous and then it completely gets turned on its head which i I did love
0: did you see we saw the trailer and got the preview of the elevator slashing which ruined it because i would have never known that was coming were you shocked when you saw that yeah, I was. I, uh, I had no idea how they were going to,
2: you know, do any of the kills. So the elevator scene was really shocking and even though it's not real like at the very end when nancy allen is kind of taking her shower scene at the end also with full bush you know she gets her throat slash and i actually screamed i was like oh my god this movie is 40 years old and here i i mean I, I <laughs> yes out. i love that you screamed. Oh, i wish god. i was with you oh my god <laughs> i was literally on my couch like i was like okay like you know it's winding down i'm like all right well she's standing in her fucking orthopedic shoes for like hour <laughs> hours like, yeah I, and then the knife comes in Oh, girl. I had
1: like a, a speak out loud. I didn't scream because I, I actually really never do that. But I was watching those shoes and I'm like, first of all, I'm like, oh my God, those orthopedics. But then when they showed that gag, when the camera pan and the shoes were there, but she wasn't. And then she opened the mirror and then the the, the straight razor came out. I was like, oh, got her. <laughs> oh. She got her. <laughs>
0: Oh my God. I did keep thinking of you, Ian, when we were like, because it's such, it feels so different. It feels so 80s. And I was like, what? the hell is ian thinking watching this goofy nipple scene i mean it was such a hustler magazine in the music i i just was like what is he thinking is he like laughing is he dying i'm like i was so curious oh my gosh i mean i i appreciate
2: y'all thinking of me during this because i i really did love it the actually this the the music though the score was you, like i feel like they don't make movies like this anymore like films aren't scored in the same way like it almost no. like fantasy yeah Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, and I was I was gagged. I was like, oh my god, I love the score for this movie. And personally, like I love some like I love a good nipple shower scene. I'm like, all you have to do is just put her in a locker
0: room and I'm there. Well the oh my God. You know what else was funny? The score, it's so like soft, like you know, it's just so funny to me. Like it it is like a movie, it it seems like it's from a different world, you know? Um, I mean, in many ways I think it sort of is. It is. And then but another thing that was killing me was angie dickinson's like facial expressions oh my god i was like what is she going through i want to recreate them one day because it is ridiculous i was like they're like go now be really terrified now be happy now be confused it was like so
2: stupid oh my god i feel you a hundred percent for me it was when she's like I mean, I was like, girl, you have really stepped in it now. Like, she like gets out of bed. Well, she gets out of like the guy's bed and she like walks over. She's like putting on her clothes. It's like. Eight thirty at night, like her husband's <laughs> like, where the fuck are you? She like doesn't have her wedding ring. She's just taking her time. She's just writing this note. I'm like, move, go.
0: Like, then she calls her husband and hangs up. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, is this the cocksucker residence? Like, <laughs> I'm like, what is that? But the best part that we, must oh talk my about, god, oh, so she's sitting oh, there cue, like, smiling. Cue, cue the organ music. Like <laughs> being flirty. She's sitting there feeling cute, writing her her post sex note. Mm-hmm. The drawer opens to, of course, conveniently, a big letter that says "venereal disease." (laughs) V D. (laughs) I love the way that they
2: like, you know. It's it's okay. It's moments like that that I feel like you almost have to shut off the part of your brain that's like, okay, I know this is like not cool anymore. Like, you know, like the misogyny, the transphobia, and even some of the racism. Later, I was like, if you can, if you can shut it off and just appreciate the movie for the other qualities, it's hysterical and it's fabulous because yeah. I was like the paper and I wasn't alive in the 1980s and I didn't have a venereal disease in the 1980s either (laughs) but I'm not sure if the papers were just in bold all caps you have (laughs) a venereal disease
0: (laughs) exactly it was so ridiculous (laughs) but it's brilliant
1: and genius I I, I do want to touch on that that, um, museum scene again because one of the things that I really loved about that was sure it was this labyrinth and it was a little melodramatic and it was you know she's looking fabulous he's looking kind of fabulous in the 80s sort of way but one thing that I think had captured, which is like something that we mentioned right at the beginning. Like the 80s was so horny. And oh my the, God, like the underlying sexual uh, sexuality and like the sexual undertones of everything was really pervasive in the 80s for whatever reason. Like the me generation and, uh, I don't know. That's just so much horniness came mm-hmm. out of that era. And, and just a reminder like, we're coming off of watching, um, Crimes of Passion, which is like a super sexually charged film. So we came home and watched Just to Kill, and I'm like, oh my God, here we go. Like, tons of sex and nudity. But she was so horny to get it and get it good. And you yes! could tell, like, like, she was like searching for that dick and she was like running around that. Oh my God. <laughs> she, she, she was running around Scary. that that museum like in heat like she had to have it and then yeah, i like, didn't
0: understand what she was going through again the facial expression she's got this smirk that's like hmm, i'm gonna seduce this guy and she's like i'm terrified i'm being chased and it's like get it together lady like if i saw her i'd be like i would tell the security to go check her out it was oh. like
1: uh, the ultimate manifestation of like cat and mouse and you know she got what she wanted by the end of it I mean, to me,
2: it was like Bottom's first time on Grinder. She's like, "Oh, I'm gonna send this dick." Like, oh no, I can't! Oh, but he's so hot! Oh, I don't know! Oh God! Like, I was like, "All right, Mama, let's go." There um, was, I mean, you guys know that I, I I love to nitpick some details, and there was one that I was like, "Okay, hold." So they're in the museum, and like, it's they these like really kind of like beautiful shot of it's their feet, um, and she like crosses her feet at the ankle, and she's wearing pantyhose. And then later, she's having like—I mean, to be completely honest—the most ridiculous like orgasm at the touch of a man, like ever. In we talked know, about hat. that too.
0: I was like, okay, this guy. Am, am I missing something, or did he just basically touch her thigh and she had an orgasm? Because that's totally.
2: What it like. I mean, she, I was like, wow, like you have got to get out more. Like your husband is not pleasing you. I get it. Like I understand, girl. Um, but then so he like you know he takes her panties off, and I was like, where the pantyhose at? Where the pantyhose at, sis? Um, but oh, speaking of, I—I mean, capital L loved when uh, she you know she's writing her post-sex note and she's like thinking, 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 and then they do that split screen and she sees her panties and she's like, (laughs) damn, she's like, I don't have those, and then later, I I was like, "Hmm, I get it, girl.
0: (laughs) <laughs> uh, anyways I think overall really interesting movie like uh, a strange choice for us to watch but you know going back and looking at some of these old thriller horror movies you can see how the inspiration carries through to modern day movies no absolutely
1: and this one's a time capsule too and it, it's really an a, an a exercise and education in the way that representation and specifically trans issues have really changed and you can go back and see how just backwards and almost ignorant mm-hmm. the the points of view were in 1980 and how far we've come to today
0: well i mean that started all the way back at the beginning of horror movies which we've talked about many times the idea of cross-dressers or trans people you know they're like oh that guy wears panties he'll slit your throat totally. like that so, yeah you know
1: absolutely N- not only is there something wrong with them but they're dangerous and that's just yeah. such, just such, such a wrong and backwards representation
0: well like we talked about that was that's with the belay brothers dragula drag competition that's us reclaiming that as you know wearing that with pride being like no i am a monster like you know it's sort of taking the definition and and changing it and owning it instead of shying away from it it's so
2: interesting that you mentioned that because i mean you're you're totally right and for me i thought about you know what you guys had said on the podcast previously and just the you know queer people's kind of reclaiming of monsters because i'm sure at the time you know people unfortunately probably saw this movie for what it was and were like "Ooh, a you know a trans person uh is, is a murderer um and they're they're unstable but for me i was like because I, I could tell i was like well i know that's michael kane in a wig first of all like you're not fooling me sis. <laughs> uh, but i was like okay i want to be her like yes like she's like stomping around wearing these giant sunglasses slashing with a straight razor i was like okay queen yes do it honey <laughs> like <laughs> go for it
0: how about the cop though the detective that <gasps> that, I laughed. I <laughs> burst out laughing. That was like my favorite scene when they're like, here's Carol who conveniently looks just like the killer. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I did love that they went back there where it was like, yeah,
2: it's like, here's Carol. She's our best detective. She happens to look just like the killer. <laughs> also, she got smashed in a fucking door like 20 minutes. I was like, oh, right. She got her entire
0: face bashed in. Okay, that was her, right? Because yeah. we had a, a disagreement about that. Swan did not think that that's who that was. Cars. At which yeah. point? At which point?
2: Uh, when um, the the cop that they introduce at the very end, the female detective, yes. that was the uh, that was the person who was trailing Nancy Allen in the cab. Are you sure? I don't know. I'm gonna have to rewatch that. I don't know about that.
0: I I'd thought watch. so too. Maybe,
1: maybe we're all. None of us are right, but that's what I thought too. Well, I, I can guarantee one of us is right. But what we, we watch it, <laughs> it doesn't take. It doesn't <laughs> I think take we're a all wrong. is <laughs> like, a
2: third character, Sherry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need my certificate of psychic like, person powers to tell you that it's <laughs> someone <laughs> in the movie. I love it. <laughs>
1: Okay, and on that note, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to answer some of our Creatures of the Night listener questions. Attention, misfits, mutants, and outcasts. The Boulay Brothers want you to join the cult now by visiting BoulayBrothersDragula.com, where everything from the world of the Boulay Brothers can be found. Be sure to sign up for the newsletter for insider updates, learn more about upcoming projects, and access tons of Boulay Brothers and Boulay Brothers Dragula exclusive merchandise. Visit us now at BoulayBrothersDragula.com. Do it or die. All right, darlings, welcome back to the Boulet Brothers, Creatures of the Night. It's time we're going to take some comments and questions from our listeners, and we're going to start off with Kennedy writes, Hi, this is Kennedy again, here to let you know that I won the debate on the height difference, and my brother lost. Oh, I I love that we actually got the response, because I did say, the details don't matter, and what matters is who won. So thank you so much, Kennedy, and congratulations. You're smarter than your brother.
0: And our next comment is a (laughs) follow-up on... The Haunting of History we did two episodes ago. Uh, this says, Trent Reznor used to live in the Tate house before it was demolished. I think it was Marilyn Manson who had a weird paranormal experience in the home's music studio with snippets of songs appearing mysteriously on other tracks, then no errors in playback the next day. Side note, the album being worked on was Portrait of an American Family, which features a Charles Manson cover and samples of his voice. Wow.
1: That's an interesting... Uh kind of tapestry to sort of weave into this whole story. I love that.
0: Yeah, we weren't really talking about the Tate House, but it was adjacent to the story. Uh, maybe, well, you know what's weird is there haven't been any more hauntings in the original house, so maybe it, whatever it was there jumped over to the Tate House, and we all know how that turned out.
1: <laughs> yes, we do. Okay, moving on. Hi, my question for you is have you had an interesting experience of being recognized out of drag that you are willing to share? I'm I'm loving the podcast by the way. Keep it up.
0: I will sh- share one. And I'm not going to go into too much detail because I hate being recognized out of drag. <laughs> um obviously everybody knows we kind of lead private lives. Uh when we're in drag, we're on and when we are out of drag, we are not. And that being said, we were um at a really basic department store out front of it dressed very casually. And it was one of those things where we ran out of the house. We had to go get something. And uh, yeah, this guy came up to us s- out of nowhere, like a business looking guy. And he was like, are you guys the Belay brothers? And I was shocked because I, oh. I just had no idea. And so I was like, I didn't know what to say. And he was like, I mean, I'm sorry. I just, I'm huge fans of you guys. And it was just, I was more stunned than he was. I think.
1: I think you're right. I remember that very well. There are a couple of other instances where people couldn't really see through our daywalker looks. You know, they didn't necessarily see that we were the Boulay Brothers from the structures of our faces without the makeup and stuff. But what they did recognize is our voices. And th- this happened at a store where a customer was a couple of aisles over and we were at the front and we were talking with the, the cashier and just saying like, oh, can you help me with this or that? And they came kind of running up from behind us. I'm like, oh my God, I recognize those voices. Are you guys the Boulay Brothers? And, and it's always so stunning. I don't think it's, it's something I could ever really get used to.
0: No. And you know who else gives us away is israel yeah because he is in drag 24 hours a day so people recognize him and then they look you know at us and we're two people with him that uh, have a height difference and it's kind of obvious you know she gives
1: us away every time
0: it's true i don't even <laughs> yeah i remember that one <laughs> One time i felt so bad but i was so shocked that guy came up to us uh where we were at like disney or something right oh yeah Disneyland we got totally clocked because of Israel which was so weird because we there was a few there was two people there who had Boulay Brothers shirts on and walked right past us and didn't know it was us which was awesome but then there was another it was I felt like we were like targets that day for some reason there was a bunch of people there and and like two different groups came up and said something due to Israel Mm,
1: punish him later for sure
0: yeah next question, uh, what are some scary things you've experienced in real life or have you had any paranormal experiences? And this comes from Ashley, who is a big supporter of the show and the podcast, and she comes to all the conventions. So do you have any answers for Ashley? Well, first, I want to say thank you, Ashley. You have impeccable taste. (laughs) I
1: mean, I think living in Southern California... This has nothing to do with the paranormal, but earthquakes are a very special kind of scare <laughs> and that they can happen in the middle of the night. They often do like when you're sleeping Um, and there's nothing quite like just having your entire world shaking and rolling and rocking for seconds, sometimes minutes, or or you're in the pool on the roof of like a 15 story building and... The water just starts sloshing around because there's an actual like 6.8 outside, and you can really feel that. It's quite scary because you have you have no control. You're just sort of at the whim of Mother Nature.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't. You know, I actually don't like to talk about paranormal experiences on the podcast. Um, But you know, for me, those are not the type of things that scare me. Practical things scare me. Uh, Things with production scare me. Just real life things. Kind of. It's not a great answer, but it's the truth. (laughs) um let's go into the next one the next one is from sakura sakura asks i was just curious if auditions for the belay brothers dragula season 4 were going to start anytime soon are you going to start picking up ghouls even though we still have the pandemic going on um, I
1: think we made reference to this a couple of episodes ago, um, and we haven't made an official announcement, but we are going to we are going to open up casting for the fourth season of the Blay Brothers Dracula in August. And I think what we've decided to do is keep the period of time where we're going to uh, accept submissions just open for longer, because we realize there's going to be challenges um, during the pandemic and ways in which people will be slowed down but it's no excuse like we all have to live through these realities and sometimes it's a horror show and uh, so we are going to do that we're going to open it up for a longer period of time and we'll be we'll be accepting auditions probably for um, I'll guess about two months okay I think that's all the time we have this week for our listener questions thank you um, I think we're going to take one final break and when we return we will be thrilling and chilling you with this episode's haunting of history
0: Welcome back and welcome to this episode's Haunting of History. For this section of the show, we like to dig up a real-life, documented supernatural happening and give listeners an abridged history of the terrifying event. We encourage you to turn off the lights, find a dark, quiet place to relax in, and prepare for a journey into the unknown. Every
1: young girl fantasizes about her dream wedding, and her big day wouldn't be complete without the perfect wedding dress. Unfortunately for some girls, dreams don't always come true, and the nuptial fantasy can become a vision of bitterness, misfortune, and haunting. Anna Baker was born to a rich family in the mid-1800s. Her father, Elias, was a self-made rich man who dominated his family and ruled them with absolute control. In 1849, Elias paid to have an enormous Greek Revival-style mansion built as the family's estate in Altoona, Pennsylvania. He named it the Baker Mansion. The family moved in, and it wasn't long before Anna caught the eye of one of the employees who worked for her father. He was a steelworker, handsome, young, and the two fell madly in love. Anna's mother, Hetty, approved, and Anna then procured her dream wedding dress. It was a garment of great beauty, constructed with tasteful details, and when she looked at it, she could see her blissful future laid out before her. Unfortunately, Anna Baker never got to wear that dress. Anna's father did not see her future quite the same way that she did. He forbade the wedding. The idea his daughter would marry a lower-class steelworker was unacceptable and what Elias Baker said was law. His daughter would never marry the love of her life. In fact, Anna Baker would never marry anyone. Bitterness soured her heart towards her father and she died a lonely old maid in 1914. After the end of the Baker's family, the Baker mansion was turned into a museum. The wedding dress was displayed behind protective glass in Anna Baker's old room as part of the Blair County Historical Society's museum in the Baker's mansion. Soon the dress behind the glass gained a strong reputation as being haunted. More than that, it would seem that the bitterness of Anna Baker's life had cursed the entire Baker family to haunt the museum. Staff members at the museum began to avoid the dining room altogether as reports continued to be filed that Elias Baker relentlessly haunted the room. Years before, in 1852, Anna's brother David Baker died suddenly in a steamboat accident. It was the middle of winter and the ground was frozen solid, impossible to have a proper burial. The result was David Baker's corpse was held in a room on the third floor until the ground thawed and a burial could be held. Guests, neighbors, and staff members alike have reported hearing screams coming from the room that once held his cadaver. The ghost of Hetty Baker was said to be seen in all black, pacing the mansion's third floor, appearing to eternally mourn the death of her son. Patrons saw strange reflections in mirrors around the old stone home. On the night of the full moon, the dress had been seen striking violently on the glass case that surrounds it so violently that museum staff members have been quoted saying they thought the dress would shatter the glass. They say that it is Anna's ghost fighting to escape through the glass door draped in her dream wedding dress, the one that she'd never got to wear in life. The powerful haunting became local legend and news of the tales of Anna Baker's dress spread quickly. The story caught the attention of world-renowned paranormal investigators Ed and Lorraine Warren the husband and wife team who investigated high-profile hauntings like the Amityville house, the Annabelle doll, and supernatural events that inspired the horror world's Conjuring movies. In fact, Anna Baker's haunted wedding dress is inspiration for one of The Conjuring's characters called The Bride. The Bride lures in unsuspecting, excited brides-to-be with an elegant gown. After the gown is purchased and put on, the bride possesses its new owner, inciting a murderous madness, driving her to stab her groom-to-be to death, a violent, bloody end to what should be the happiest day of their lives. The bloodstains then disappear from the dress, so it can reel in a new victim and continue its cycle of matrimonial murder. That's all the time we have for this episode. Thank you for joining us. And remember, if you have questions for us about projects we are working on or anything we've discussed on this episode, please email us at creatures at com.
0: Remember to watch the Boulet Brothers Dragula streaming now on Netflix in the US, OutTV in Canada, Amazon Prime in the UK and Australia, and TVNZ in New Zealand. Bye, uglies.
1: The Boulet Brothers Creatures of the Night is hosted and produced by Drac Morda and Swanthula Boulet, featuring co-host Ian DeVogler, produced by Natasha Pacetta, edited and mixed by Ernesto Hortada, with music by Neuron Spectre.